We're gonna continue our presence series. We, we've been doing the core values for the past um, you know, couple months now. Um, we, we're starting with the core value of our church is that we believe in the presence of God. We believe that the presence of God is tangible, that you can uh, have an encounter with God and you can also be an encounter through your encounter with the Lord and that, that uh, this isn't just some sort of metaphor, but that God is really with you, that he's present with you. The number one uh, translation of panim, the, the word for presence, for presence of God, is actually face. It means he's right there. It's face to face with God. It's not that he's just a, an aroma of him. It's, it's actually his presence. You know, like, you can't, be present and have a presence. Your presence means you're present. Like, I'm Italian, I wear a lot of cologne. You might know that I was in a room after I left. You might be like, oh, Paul was here. I smell him. Hopefully that's the good smell. But I'm not present. That's just how I smell. But he's present. He's with you. It's not like just this. He's, you, you have to get past your understanding, past your, you know, any mental block that, that is there to realize what this word says is that he's with you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul talks about us hosting the presence of God. And he's with you. So we're gonna continue that series uh, we also believe in the power of prayer. We believe that prayer changes things. We believe that God hears our prayers and that prayer is powerful. We also believe in healing prayer and we're gonna talk about that a little bit. And we believe that prayer is important for a Christian in their walk with the Lord. You can't watch three hours of TV every day and have two minutes of prayer and expect big changes. Not that you guys do that, I'm just saying or football games, or whatever they are. Um, we also believe in um, transformation. We believe that you can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, that it's not just behavior modification, but you can actually have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and he can set you free from strongholds in your life, that you can actually have a breakthrough, and you are no longer held in captivity to something that you can actually have tremendous breakthrough and deliverance through Jesus. This is the transformation that happens. We also believe in evangelism because he's just too good not to share. We believe that evangelism isn't just for a man or woman who stands on stage and invites people to come to Jesus, but that we are all called to share the gospel. The gospel is made to go outside all four of these walls. There's so many people who would never come into church, but you go into their place every day. You have this opportunity to share with them. So before we actually start this present series, I want to remind us of a word that happened. In, um, in November, Hannah and Joelle Dumain, friends of mine from French-Canadian-speaking part of the uh, country of Canada, it's called Quebec, Montreal area, um, they actually minister to a lot of the indigenous people in that area as well as uh, the French-Canadian-speaking people in the area. And there's many awesome things that are happening uh, through their ministry. They were not planning on being in New Mexico in November. They actually were uh, speaking at a conference in Houston and they were on their way to Las Vegas. To, you know, there's a French-Canadian-speaking pastor out there called Daniel Goulet. And uh, 
who knew, right? Anyway, he's in Las Vegas, so they were going to his church, and then they realized, hey, Paul Martini has just started pastoring a church called New Life City in New Mexico. Let's stop by and say hi. And so, of course, I asked them to share, and uh, Hannah actually got a word from the Lord that she shared with us in this church. And uh, the Lord's been reminding me to look at this word, and I keep forgetting to. And finally, I listened to it, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is actually aligned with the core values and what you've actually already called us to, God. And so I wanted to encourage you by these words. This is, I just transcribed this myself. It says this, a word for this house, this is Hannah speaking, and what has been written over this city. This church is called to go higher. By going higher into his presence, as they go higher, as they get to see my face, which is Panim, right? As they look into my eyes, the fire from my eyes will light them up and they will become a beacon and a lighthouse to the city. Friends, the solution, this is her talking to us. Friends, the solution and the answer to the problems of this city is you being on fire for Jesus. The answer and the solution is you being face to face with Jesus with no other motives. Not money being a motive, not influence being a motive, not anything you can get from him, but just him. I wanna remind you guys that you are called to be a beacon in this city. This church and this city are supposed to be a frontline city in America to bring heaven on earth down. That you guys are the ones who are going to change the atmosphere, but you cannot change what you do not love. You need to see the treasures that God has deposited in this land and in this city. The word for this house is a house of hope. Then she references Isaiah 61, one through three, and she reads the last part of the third verse, and I'm gonna read it because it's in context to this word. It says, and to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Do you know what Albuquerque means? White oaks. That's what she said. She looked it up. Albuquerque means white oaks. And then she thought of this verse. And she said, so Albuquerque, you will be known as white oaks of righteousness as a living display of his glory. It's a powerful word. Come on. So the Lord's using many people. I want you to keep in prayer one of our own people, uh, David and D Diana Horak. Uh, Diana and her daughter Alina are Ukrainian descent. Uh, they're actually, uh, she's from Ukraine. Uh, she's going back. She's going back, flying in there with a ton of supplies that have been donated by this church and many others. And she's actually literally going into a war zone with her 16-year-old daughter, and they're gonna try to rescue their 90, her, I think it's 88, 90-year-old mother. And so please keep them in prayer. Okay. But she's bringing the presence of the Lord and we just are praying. So um, she, she came and shared last night, but she's flying out today. So God, I just pray for Diana. I pray that your angels would be with her, that you would guard them, you'd protect them, that you'd guide their steps, that you'd give them wisdom and discernment. Father, that there would be a, a, a security around them and around their mother, Lord, that everyone would be able to evacuate safely, Lord, and that they would just have favor at every border that they try to cross, God. Lord, that their health would be sustained, Lord. And Lord, that we would just hear about your glorious, miraculous testimony from their trip. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to our scripture this morning. It's Psalm 103, verses one through three. Psalm 103, verses one through three. This is in the English 
standard version that we're reading from this morning. Should be very similar in most of your versions. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. All. All your diseases. I want to talk about this morning healing in the presence of Jesus. We're going to flip to 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter is that small little book. It's after Hebrews, after James. It's right before 2 Peter. This is Peter, he's writing this. He says, he himself, who, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This healing that Jesus heals us from, number one, it's our soul, our salvation. It's this chasm that he's removed between God and man because Jesus Fully God, fully man came and lived a sinless life. Died on a cross for the atonement of our sins. Remove that chasm so now that we have access to the Father. This is such an amazing, miraculous healing that the Lord has done reuniting humanity back to God. For all those who believe in him can be saved. In addition to that, it is my belief that also in the atonement is the healing that Jesus provides for us. Not just in our souls, but actually in our bodies as well. Not just our iniquities, but our diseases. Jesus wants to heal you. Jesus wants to save you. You know, and, and when, when the New Testament talks about salvation, that word salvation actually is translated sozo. It's the original Greek is sozo, and it means this. It doesn't mean my ticket to heaven. That, that's one of the, the meanings, like you get Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, then you will spend eternity with him. But there's other aspects to it. It's Sozo means uh, salvation, healed, delivered. Saved, healed, and delivered. Total healing. Some of us just push far enough to get one aspect of Jesus, salvation, but we let <laughs> on, the, on the table there, all that he has paid for and provided. And I don't want anything Jesus has paid for to go to waste. I want it all. I've seen God move in such miraculous ways in, in, in healing as I traveled and uh, ministered um, you know, at different healing meetings. I remember one of them, uh, it's just so amazing when someone gets touched by Jesus, it's not just like they got warm fuzzies all over, it's like they changed their life, it's changed their circumstance. They can work now where they couldn't. They can actually do things that they couldn't. They can be the father, the mother, the husband, the son, the daughter, the brother, the sister that they couldn't be because they were so injured. Have you ever met someone or dealt with someone who's dealing with long-term chronic pain or long-term illness? Man, it's, it's, it's 
they, they're often frustrated and ashamed because they can no longer be who they want it to be. And actually, oftentimes, they struggle with you know, anger and, and all these other emotions because of all the frustrations that they're dealing with. And then they're ashamed of that. And, and then you pray with them. And, 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 and sometimes they're not healed. And, and you see all that. And, and I've been there. You know, the healing ministry or praying for the sick is a compassion-based ministry. It's a misnomer that it's a, you know, power-based ministry. You do it out of love. You don't do it to get famous. You don't do it to have money. You don't do it to try to put yourself on stage, although that's been abused by a lot of people. And they're gonna pay for that one day. They're gonna have accountability to God for that one day. But I've seen God show up in such real radical ways. It's just undeniable. And let me tell you this. When Jesus does an authentic healing, when it's real, just like Bernie's healing, he gets all the glory. It's all about him. Once something else gets more glory than Jesus, I don't want anything to do with it. It's just not worth it for me. So we celebrate and we testify to bring him glory. And some people are so modest with their testimonies. They're like, Jesus healed me, and, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Can you share with people? And they're like, no. And some of them find that, you know, it's like, I just don't want to be too proud. I don't want people's attention drawn to me. And, I'm, and, and, what they, and, and so their, their reason for it is innocent, but the reality is, is that you're actually robbing God from people giving him glory for what he did. And so it's important that if he does something that you testify. And when you don't, it's like the biggest secret that never got out that could have just gotten him glory. And so I remember being in Dayton, Ohio. We were uh, having this meeting. I was sitting on the front row and the minister was speaking and he, he was uh, uh, praying and there was such amazing, tremendous presence in the room. What I mean by that was just this manifested presence. It's like everyone knew they were in the presence of the Lord. Not, not because this minister was speaking, just because of what happened during worship. And, uh, and I, I remember this um, this woman, she, she was just, she went to the side of the stage and she's holding the bar and she's walking up and down, up and down, up and down. And, you know, it's, if you ever go to a charismatic church like ours, you know, you find out that people do strange things. <laughs> it just comes with the territory. And sometimes, sometimes it's because they're strange. Sometimes it's because God's doing something. And sometimes we don't know exactly what's happening and we don't know their hearts. We don't know what God's doing, but we know that it's not our job to decide whether their hearts are right or not. It's God's job to decide that. And, and if it's not distracting and if it's not drawing attention from Jesus and it's not harming anyone, then usually I'll let it go on. So she's just up and down the steps and, and uh, you get really focused when you're in a charismatic church because if you wanna focus on what the speaker's saying, you like dial in. And, uh, and so uh, everyone's dialed in to what the, the Lord's doing in that meeting. And all of a sudden, this lady like lets out this big scream, celebrate, celebratory scream, like, woo! But even more kind of like hits the ears a bit hard. And so, uh, you know, obviously everyone's like looking at the speaker, looks to this woman, and she's crying, and she runs over, and the minister's like, well... The Lord's taken over this meeting. Okay, what, what happened to you? And she's, and, and she's crying. And her, her like nine-year-old son uh, comes up as well because he sees what happened to his mom and he's weeping. And this is what I often look for. I look for the caretaker about how dramatic that healing is. Because they're actually, see, I never saw that woman before that night. I have no idea what 
situation she was in. This often happens at healing meetings. They'll be like, look, this person can walk better. And they're like, and I'm like, oh, they're kind of limping along. You know, they're falling forward fast. You know, I don't know. And, uh, and, so, and so I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, but when I see the caretaker weeping and I talk to them, I often interview them and say, what happened? They say, they're the ones who carry them to the bathtub. They're the ones who have to take care of them. They're the ones who see them in their situation. And so they know that that limp is actually really dramatic because they could never walk. Now, of course, I don't, I mean, it's not me to decide how significant the healing is. I mean, I just celebrate what Jesus is doing. And I'm just like, that's amazing, God. So anyway, I'm finding out, you know, this lady, I'm like, what happened? This boy's crying and, and she uh, was in a wheelchair. She had MS and she was, uh, you know, really degenerating. And, and you hear her story about how, uh, how this has uh, affected her life. When she got MS, her husband left her. The, the, the person who made the money in the family had left her and her son and I hear, and, I, and I'm interviewing the, the son. The son said, yeah, I ended up having to take my mom's, he's a nine-year-old boy, right? Having to dress his mom in the mornings, change her socks. His whole, like, no longer did he have his friends available to him because he was, you know, now having to take care of his own mother. His whole life was changed. And now the boy who changes his mother's socks and her clothes in the morning sees her walking. That's dramatic. Now you know that their lives are not just changed because they got to, but this was significant. The same meeting, uh, that same church the next night, a woman who was on staff was a huge stutterer. She didn't talk really well, like really bad. I remember uh, talking to the children's pastor when they interviewed her, they said that it took over an hour for her to get her uh, answers out in the interview, like an interview that should take like 15 minutes. She's just a part of the support staff. And again, she comes up and she's giving this testimony and I'm sitting there. I didn't know she had a horrible stutter because on stage in front of a thousand people, she's testifying that in the worship during the presence, she feels this heat come upon her and all of a sudden she can now speak without that stutter. God healed the mental issue. Just powerful stuff. This happens in the presence of Jesus. And there's there's typologies and parallels uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is constantly prophesying about Jesus and all that he provides. I want to read to you Numbers uh, 21, 5 through 9. Numbers 21, 5 through 9. This is about the serpents who were biting the uh, Israelites in the wilderness around Sinai. It says, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. So then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. 
And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at that bronze serpent and live. Now, anyone who's read the Old Testament knows that this story is wild. Because these Israelites were the same people that made a golden calf when Moses went up to the mountain and God like destroyed all those people. Because you were not supposed to have any great uh, 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 graven image. I was gonna say brazen. You not, not have any graven image. You couldn't even try to make an image of God because you, couldn't, you can't encapsulate him in an image. And so, so this is like, a, you know, in, 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 in looking at it, you're like, man, this doesn't seem right at all. But yet God commanded Moses to do this. And oftentimes God will command us to do something out of obedience that actually makes absolutely no sense. What he's doing is he's challenging us and, in, and, and taking that step of faith, taking that step of belief that releases the miracle. Now, of course, we find out the prophecy because this, this image of this serpent on this pole that is being raised up that they have to look at it to be healed is actually foreshadowing of Jesus Christ hanging on a tree. Jesus says this in John three fourteen. He says, in red means Jesus said it, okay? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. When he's saying lifted up, he's talking about on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The powerful presence of Jesus Christ in your life can bring salvation and healing to you and through you. It's through looking unto Jesus and into his presence that you can experience the healing power and the healing grace that he can provide. You know, when you study healing throughout the history of the world, uh, uh, oftentimes we, we really kind of become independent uh, because we, we figure, okay, we have to know our solutions. And so that, you know, we're saying it in the, uh, in the worship song, to trust in Jesus, how sweet it is to know him, to really know him. And, I, and man, and some of the worst parts of my life, when I was in my lowest part, where I, I, you know, I, I couldn't pay my bills, I couldn't do, uh, you know, I was, I was in a really bad situation and um, I had just come back to Jesus. I was sleeping in my car literally and, and and I remember those moments and I look at them and I'm like, those are the sweetest moments of my life. Why? Because I had to totally trust in him. This is an amazing experience. When we, when we and, and I'm, just, I'm just confessing, I'm not putting this on you, I'm just telling you my experience. But when I can start, uh, get when I got a better job and when I started making money and I started making better decisions and I started finding out and I, and I was like, man, I don't, I, it wasn't that I didn't want to trust in Jesus. It's that in my mind, I was like, I just don't need to. I just subconsciously was just doing my own thing in my own strength. And so therefore I had no reliance on Jesus in the trust that I had before. And I find myself not trusting in Jesus. 
And it's not because my circumstances changed, it's because my heart had changed. And Jesus had to call me back saying, look, you can still make good decisions. You can still be in a job and have money and all those things and, tr and trust me. Because you realize that everything you have is his anyway. And when God shakes what can be shaken to only remain that what remains, like has happened in the past two years, you start realizing, what do I really have that I can trust him? What is everything that I'm worrying about? It doesn't even mean anything. It's all but vapor. It's just like, he's actually the most important thing. And when you study history, you find that, that people didn't have all the medical uh, uh, awesome tools that we have today. And I love doctors and medicines as Bernie is so eloquently described. I, I thank God for the answers of prayers for generations, for cures of different diseases and cancers and all that stuff. And I thank God for that. And, uh, but, you know, that hasn't always been around. And unfortunately, doctors and, and the medical community don't have answers for everything. You find that out when you have a medical condition. And, and so, so you look at history and you see how reliant people were on different gods and different types of, of, of religions that they were trying to search for something that would finally heal them, something that would, would restore them. And so they would try all these false idols, these false gods, these other religions. You know, the, the medical community today, the, the medical symbol, a lot of Christians, I was talking to my friend of mine, it blew my mind, he had no idea about this. He thought that the medical symbol of the pole with the snakes on it was about the Old Testament the, uh, from Numbers, which I just read. But that's actually not the symbol. You know what that symbol is? Asclepius. It's the Greek god of healing. I'm not saying that the medical community is like worshiping Asclepius, but that's the symbol that they used. You know, the, the, the fastest growing, how could Christianity... The, fa the, the, the a small, no, no one ever heard of religion who uh, had no money and was extremely persecuted and you know, people were being killed and tortured for their faith. How did they become, within 300 years, the fastest growing and uh, the official religion of Rome with just 300 years? You know, one of the main reasons is because our Christian God could heal better than any other God. Save, heal, and deliver. This happens so often when we're out ministering, when we're doing evangelism, like on St. Patty's Day. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell people about Jesus. One of the miracles when you tell them about Jesus is the Holy Spirit starts convicting them, starts knocking on the doors of their hearts. And you know, half the time, I'm not even saying anything really great. Like if I think back to what I said, I'm like, that didn't even make sense. But the, but the Holy Spirit is like knocking on their heart and they're like, I need Jesus. And you lead them to Jesus by his grace that drew them to him. That's a miracle. But it also I've seen where it's like they, they have a sickness, they have a disease, they're, they're in bondage, they need to be delivered. And I pray for them, not because of me, but because of him, but I'm praying for them and they get instantly healed and they're like, how do I know this Jesus? You know, when you're in Muslim countries and you're actually talking about Jesus and what the word says and the Bible says, and you're like, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. You know what they say? The Quran says this, the Quran says this, the Quran says this. But when you pray for them and they get healed, they say, what does your Bible say about this God? What does Jesus say about this? 
It's a whole different avenue. This is why Jesus didn't only talk about the kingdom, but he displayed the kingdom. Or he displayed the kingdom and then he talked about the kingdom. He didn't do one without the other because he understood the value of them experiencing the spirit of God in the midst of, of the word of God. And so we, we, we can't have one without the other. And I'm telling you right now that, that if we can overcome the thought process that we, we think that we have to have for God to heal us, if we can overcome that, man, we will see healing break out like never before. And, 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 and I just wanna encourage you, it's not about a feeling. It's not, we're not called feelers. We're called believers. It's about our faith. It's, it's you know, the faith that we have in Christ. It's like us choosing, you know, I mean, how stupid you think those people felt when they were bitten by a snake that they'd have to walk over to that pole and look upon it. But it was their faith that the God who told Abraham to make this serpent, this bronze, this, this bronze serpent, would heal them if they gazed upon it. And all of a sudden, that plague had lifted and left them. It's powerful when you pray for someone and watch Jesus come over them in such an amazing healing experience. And Jesus is a typology. Jesus is the, the bronze, the, the serpent image was a typology of Jesus which Jesus himself had, um, had mentioned in John three fourteen. So why am I saying this? Because there's something awesome. You know, the last, you know what the last temple, and, and, and this is why healing is such a big deal. You know the last temple to fall in Rome was their healing God? See, temples, when, 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 when Christians and the churches started growing, they would take these temples, they would knock off these graven images, these false gods, they would knock off the statues on the corners of the buildings, and they would turn them into churches. The last temple to fall was the healing God of Rome, which was a, a mix of, of a couple of gods, including Asclepius. Now, most of us don't, push in for this, and, and a lot of us don't even pray for people because, uh, let's just be honest, it's hard. It's not hard to stick out your hand, it's not hard to close your eyes, it's not hard to say a prayer. It's hard to have an answer when they don't get healed. And so people go, I just don't wanna be put in that position where I have to explain myself about why they didn't get healed. And, and you know, a lot of Christians have gotten in a bad situation because all of a sudden, the ones who are pushing in for it a lot of times will uh, pray for someone then they didn't get healed. And so they go, well, we have to have a reason. And so I'm not gonna blame myself. I'm gonna blame that person. You didn't have enough faith. These abuses happen in the healing ministry and you're like, well, that's not gonna help them at all. What do you think is going to help them? Being the accuser of the brethren? You don't have faith. Or being the one who comes alongside the Holy Spirit. Not being him, but, but using him. Even if it's true, even if they don't have faith, you can be like, hey, here's some scripture on faith. Why don't you read these? Meditate, get back to me. Here's an awesome worship uh, music. Why don't you listen to this and just soak in the Lord? I'd love to pray with you again. What do you think is going to help them more? Accusing them they don't have faith or giving them tools to have more faith? But the reality is, and I've been in the healing ministry for over 10 years, and I know for a fact that there are so many times where I don't know why it didn't happen. And I just want to empower you 
that you're not supposed to always have the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. But I'm not gonna stop praying for people because I didn't see that person healed. I'm gonna keep going because I know there's somebody who will get healed and if I stopped, then they won't get prayer. It's amazing what happens when we pray for people and when it doesn't happen. See, when we picture ourselves here coming down to here praying for them, well, that's a bad image. That's a bad dynamic because now it's like a power thing. No, we're actually coming alongside them. We're actually pressing in with them. We actually rejoice when they rejoice. We cry when they cry. We suffer when they suffer. Why? Because we're a body. Now, there's two things here. Sometimes we don't see it happen, and sometimes we have loved ones, including my own brother and my father, who had passed away. Number one, even if we lose the battle, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we still win. Do not forget that. Number two, it doesn't mean that you have to have the answer. I always question healing ministries when they think they have the answers for every single thing. Because there's a mystery in the healing. There's a part of mystery that we don't understand. I've seen people where the pastor's wife has tremendous faith. Everyone has faith for her. They're fasting 21 days and she's terminal and all of a sudden uh, she passes. And it's like, are you telling me no one had faith? Of course, there was tons of faith in that room. And I've also seen people who's pushed, uh, who's come to church, they've known Jesus for a day, they're in the same similar situation, God touches them with nobody praying for them and they get miraculously healed. And I'm not gonna try to make right or wrong, I'm just gonna say, God, I don't know why this person got healed and this person didn't. I know what's normal and that might be an outlier but God, I'm still gonna serve you and love you and I'm still gonna pray and love the person next to me anyway. But I, I wanna explain to you that our church believes in the presence and the healing presence of Jesus. And we're not gonna back down from that. And I wanna invite you to suspend your judgment and allow the Holy Spirit to move through you one of the wonderful scenes that I love, you know, I'm, I'm a big Chosen guy. I love the Chosen TV series that's based on the Bible. It's not word for word biblical, but it's what, it, what the Bible doesn't say, it kind of expounds upon. But there's this scene where Jesus encounters one of the lepers and it's just so beautiful. I want us to watch it and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi his disease, you can't. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But, but what do I tell people? Go, show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. Jesus ruined every funeral he ever visited, including his own. Why don't you stand? I just want to take this moment, just like that leper. You know, Jesus didn't just heal his leprosy, he broke the identity he was walking in, he delivered him from being isolated and alone and rejected by society. There was so much more that was happening. That, that was a true sozo moment, healed, saved, delivered. So I just wanna pray, Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, just walk through this room. Lord, I pray that as people are submitting their lives, their bodies, everything to you, Lord, that you would just touch them in such a special way that they would feel the anointing power flow through their bodies. Come, Holy Spirit, increase your anointing, we ask. <laughs> 
May your spirit flow out of this place like a river, flow in and out. May we be swept away by that river. Command all disease to shrivel up and die in Jesus' name. We speak life over our community, over our family. If there's uh, something you're pressing in for, just continue to press in and wait for the Lord. If you do not have a physical, but the Lord is prompting you to think of somebody, I want you to start praying for that person who has a physical need right now. For those of you who, who are streaming, just point your hands up to the Lord because you're in this with us. Lord, we just thank you for your healing power, your healing anointing. Command all pain to go right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that your spirit would just flow into this place in such power, that all pain would dissolve, all range of motion would be restored, that arthritis would melt off people's bodies. God, that diabetes would be broken in Jesus' name that nerves that are uh, uh, nerve issues would be resolved right now. We just bless the skeletal system. We bless the muscular system. We bless the nervous system. We bless the organs of the body. And we just command the body to come into alignment with the kingdom of heaven right now in the name of Jesus. If you're sensing the Lord on you, I just want you to come forward. Don't wait till the end, just come up right now. Something, God's doing something this morning. We come against mental torment, mental illness. Lord, we ask that you would heal any mental, physical impairment, Lord. That there would be a, a, a breakthrough of healing that the testimony that Bernie had this morning, Jesus, it's the spirit of prophecy, that it would, the, the spirit of, uh, the testimony is the spirit of prophecy, prophesies of Jesus. Jesus, do it again. Do it again in this room, Lord, that you would get all the glory, all the honor. Come. We don't normally go long, I just don't care right now. If you need to leave, it's okay, but we're, we'll close in a little bit. Just, Father, we just thank you. We just hand this over to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, I bless what you're doing in this room. Bless what you're doing on their lives right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill afresh. Come, Lord. More, more, more. Come, Lord. Total restoration in Jesus' name, Phil. More, Lord. More. As it is in heaven, may it be in their bodies, God. There's no pain, there's no disease in heaven. May there be no pain, no disease in their bodies.